1: in the Eucharist. Good morning. We are with you this morning. Thank you for bringing us into your home, into your office, whatever space you're at this morning. We're we're honored to be here. This is Roxanne Solonen, and I have with me
0: Father Kyle Metzger. <laughs>
1: we are hosting Real Presence Live this morning and so happy to have you with us. Father, how are you doing this morning?
0: I am doing great. I've got my coffee. You know, we're we're here live at uh, St. Anthony's Parish in Fargo, North Dakota. And it's cold out, Roxanne.
1: It is. And it, it is. sounds
0: like probably in all of our listening areas, it's cold. The entire nation is cold right now.
1: I guess it's that time of year. I guess we have to expect it, right?
0: It is. It is. We uh, we, we choose to live up here. Mm-hmm, we do. We, we benefit in the summers, though. It's but the I'm, world's
1: best kept secret, you know? I know, I know, I know, I
0: know. But I'm doing great. I'm doing great this morning.
1: Good, good. So we have Ashley Grun- Grunhold. Is that how you say last, your last name? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm terrible at names, but I've o- I've known Ashley for a while, so it's fun to, to see you across from me, Ashley. Good morning. So,
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? You work for the Diocese of Fargo, so what do you do at the diocese?
2: I am currently their Director of Evangelization, and then they also run the Young Disciples Missions Program.
1: Okay. Well, I've been noticing some emails that you've been sending out, and I, I, I appreciate that. As a communicator, it's I, it's nice to receive something that's local, but, you know, tell, tell mention a little bit about what you're doing there and how that started.
2: So the Office of Evangelization, we just started a online newsletter, and just every week, every other week, we send out things like different saint quotes, different evangelization ideas, what's going on in the liturgical year. And if anyone's interested in signing up, they can just go to FargoDiocese.org and go to the evangelization page, and it's just you've sent your name and your email, and click, you're signed up awesome
0: i remember you know when i was a small kid um one of my uh giants of people i looked up to was pope john paul ii and of course he talked about the new evangelization which i'm sure sparked so much of what you're currently doing in your position at the diocese
2: correct he's so amazing and just going through his writings every time there's just new gems that you find yeah yeah speaking of extraordinary saints that's what we're here to discuss
1: this morning is, yes. is one that many pr- people are familiar with, but maybe they don't know a lot about St. Therese of Lisieux. And she was an extraordinary saint who came from extraordinary people. I I like to, I, I, before the show, we were talking about how I learned a little bit about uh, Therese, Therese, and it was through the Dorothy Day account of her life. Um, so it, it really helped me see inside her life and especially in the life of her parents. So, you know, it is interesting. I think, isn't it St. Paul, John Paul II, whose parents now are being looked at for canonization as well.
0: That might be. I I hadn't heard that.
1: So, I mean, you look, it's just like, it's kind of like Jesus and then like his mom was kind of holy too. Great,
0: (laughs) great saints oftentimes come from, you know, very dynamic and prayerful families. And Ashley, you've done a lot of work uh, on studying St. Therese and her parents, have you not?
2: Mm Yeah, when I was in my master's program, I decided to write my thesis on St. Therese and, in particular, how she was a doctor of the church, because I found a lot of people love St. Therese, but they didn't know necessarily what she taught or how she taught, so I looked at her teaching methodology.
0: When, When you say she's a doctor of the church, what does that mean? Some of our listeners might not understand that she's a doctor of the church.
2: So being declared a doctor of the church means that someone had very profound insight into the deposit of faith, meaning they received particular insight in a way to communicate it to the rest of the universal church that has a lasting impact. And it might be in a general sense of theology or it might be a particular part. So, for example, for Therese, her focus was on spirituality and prayer.
0: Wonderful. Now, before we dive into that... Talk about her parents, because she did come from a unique family. What can you tell us about her family and her parents in particular?
2: I love Lewis and Zelie. Uh, before they were actually married, both of them thought they were called to be religious. So Zelie actually tried to join an order called The Visitation, um, the Sisters of St. Vincent de Paul, who served the poor. But because of her sickly health, they told her, you don't have a vocation with us, go home. So she learned how to make lace, and she started her own business and then Lewis, he tried to enter an order um, that their charism was contemplative prayer and rescuing people who got stranded on the mountain. So just heroic endeavors in prayer. And when he went to join them, they said, you don't know Latin. <laughs> you don't have a vocation with us. Yeah. And so he was disheartened, but then he learned how to make watches and he started his own business as well. And so years later, uh, Zaley was traveling along a bridge one day and she was passing this man who was a little bit older than she was and she heard in her heart, this is the man I have prepared for you. And she just kind of stopped like, that is my husband. And then they kept walking <laughs> and they met just a couple weeks later and within three months they were married. Wow. And to give us a, a, a lot of people I think are aware where Le Sue is, but
1: talked about the mountains. So where, where are we placing this setting? <laughs> the
2: mountains of France. Okay, <laughs> well,
1: I don't know geography either. <laughs> <laughs> when we think of mountains, I think of Germany. So I just want to make sure everyone's aware. <laughs> France.
0: What yes, century? France. What time period? Long time ago. Really. So the eighteen hundreds. Eighteen hundreds. What? 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 What did? She, what did? Her name is Zelly. The mother of Saint Zelly. Mm-hmm. What did she hear in her heart? What? What was that? I, I hadn't heard all of the details of this story before.
2: She just very really clearly heard the phrase, "This is the man I have prepared for you." As if God was giving her a post-it note saying, this is your husband... Talk to him.
0: This is the man I have prepared for you. Isn't that a, mm-hmm. a compelling vision of marriage? The Lord prepares you to, for another person to sanctify them, bring them to holiness.
2: That's pretty profound. But then they went separate ways, and then how did they come back together? Then? Lewis's mom actually knew of Zalee because they had taken a lace-making class together, and she thought Zalee was just a wonderful young woman, and she wanted Lewis to meet her. So kind of through her matchmaking skills, the two of them were brought together. Interesting.
0: Now... They had several children. You can share a little bit about that if you'd like. But um, obviously saints, St. Therese. But they themselves are saints. And oftentimes we think, you know, saints are, you know, priests and religious nuns and bishops and popes. This is a married couple. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah, actually, when they first got married, they decided to live as brother and sister because both of them still felt that call to religious life. So they thought, okay, we'll live as religious in the state of matrimony and 10 months into their marriage they met with their spiritual director slash um, confessor and he said no you're called to marriage and with that comes the openness to raising children in the gift god willing he should desire to give you them and so they realized okay we need to change some things and then they had nine children actually <laughs> you know I, I, I remember reading about that
1: and, and how much it struck me and especially as the conversation of marriage has erupted in our country I thought of them and how they kind of thought marriage was about something else and then their their spiritual director said no actually
0: (laughs) live that vocation in its fullness with all of its fruit yeah so beautiful
1: it it was it was interesting to kind of make that connection in, in light of today's world too so
0: um a full marriage nine children it didn't come without its struggles right
2: yeah over the years like you said father they had nine children but actually only five of them made it to adulthood uh, three of them died in infancy and then one actually died when she was about five years old and then over the years They also lost other family members and they were entrepreneurs with their business and there are ups and downs with owning your own business there are times where um, Zaley thought she was going to lose her business because there was either not enough work or too much work and um, Over the years, um, they just struggled with that. And then towards the end of their lives, Zelie actually passed away from breast cancer. So Lewis walked with her through that process of just grieving the loss of his wife and not being able to help her, console her. I mean, he did console her, but he couldn't heal her. And just being Mm -hmm. present in that way. We are talking with Ashley Grenfell from the Diocese of Fargo
1: here in Fargo at St. Anthony's. I am Roxanne Solonin, and we have Father also,
0: Kyle Metzger.
1: That's right, and we are happy to, that you've uh, allowed us into your space this morning. And uh, talking about one of... Uh, a, a great favorite saint in, in the Catholic world and, and maybe beyond as well. So, um, St. Therese of Lisieux. Uh And I know that as the youngest child... She was the youngest, right? Yes. Yes, that would have been... That that's another part of the journey is losing your mother at such a, a, significant age when you're you're still
2: needing that maternal touch. So talk a little bit about how that affected Saint Therese. Well, Zayli passed away when Therese was only about four years old, and when Therese was a little girl, because of that, uh, she was a very anxious and emotional and kind of withdrawn little girl. And it wasn't until actually what she calls her Christmas conversion, where she was a little bit older, uh, where she was able to kind of overcome that anxiety and be able to control her emotions a little bit more and just receive that deep healing and trust in the Lord.
1: I know another thing too would be the father and having, you know, you talked about him walk, journeying through that with her, but at the same time, can you imagine as a dad being left to to parent all girls? (laughs) That would have been
2: rather hard too.
0: And what was the pattern of all of those daughters in their vocational calls?
2: Yeah, one interesting thing, when Louis and Zelie got married, they said if they have children, they want to raise them as saints. And so they always had a strong desire that their children would become religious or priests, but they were kind of detached of whatever God calls them to. But the five that did survive adulthood, all five of the girls became sisters. Four of them became Carmelites, and another one joined the Visitation Order.
1: I thought about that too. Like, wow. (laughs) But at the same time, was there something going on in society at that time that kind of lent itself to that kind of thing? Or was this really just
2: highly unusual and amazing? There was more of a culture of Catholicism in France during that time, but to have all of your children join a religious order was a little bit extreme in the eyes of the community. Uh, they were looking at Louis thinking, what are you doing, letting all of your daughters join an order? <laughs> so
0: let's focus in on their youngest daughter, St. Therese of Lisieux. She's a doctor of the church, as you said. What is her big contribution to the church's theology?
2: Well, the thing that we're most familiar of is the way of spiritual childhood and abandonment to God's providence. So just recognizing that we are God's children, we rely on Him for everything, that He is merciful, that He is forgiving and loving, and we can trust Him with our entire lives.
0: And she's um, she's often known as uh, St. Therese of Lisieux, or uh, perhaps more commonly, St. Therese the little flower. The little flower. Where does that come from, the little flower?
2: In a lot of her writings, she talks about, uh, she uses the analogy metaphor of flowers, of we we are like flowers in God's garden. Each of us has a particular role, a particular fragrance that we're supposed to share throughout the world. And in her teachings, she would actually use that metaphor to just help her sisters and others, uh, religious, to just deeper understand different things she was trying to teach them.
1: One of the things I'm just thinking
2: is that you're an, a youngest child. I'm,
1: I'm a youngest child in my family. I'm not sure where you fall in your family, but there is something about the youngest child kind of, I think, at least my experience, kind of retaining some of that that youthfulness, that, that child soul, I guess. She was a wise soul, and yet she had this very simple childlike soul. Like, she never really grew up in a way, you know, she did, and yet at the same time, I don't know, I, that, it just strikes me as, as her being the youngest, um, that she kind of retained that, that childlike quality. Because I think we're all children in God's sight, and it's a beautiful quality to be able to
0: remember that. And your um, your work, uh, Ashley, is in evangelization, and Saint Therese is uh, what is she the patron of a patroness of evangelists? But she's a cloistered Carmelite nun; she's never left the convent. How does that? How do you put those two things together?
2: She was actually declared the co-patron of missions with Saint Francis Xavier in 1927, so only two years after her canonization. And Pope Pius XI, when he declared that, he said, So Francis is the one who went out to these foreign lands and proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ. But Therese is a great example for us of how she proclaimed through her writings and through her prayer. So she's kind of the spiritual pillar of evangelization, how she had these great desires to go off to the far side of the world to proclaim Jesus Christ. But God's vocation for her was to be in the Carmelite convent and to just spiritually intercede that way.
0: And, oh, I, I discovered St. Therese in seminary and fell in love with this little flower. If people are kind of attracted by her story, the story of her parents, where would be a good place to for them to encounter St. Therese?
2: The most widely known one is her autobiography, or it's called The Story of a Soul. I would also highly recommend her volumes of letters because then you get to know her and her sisters and her dad and her cousins and things like that, so I would highly recommend the letters. If you want to know more about her parents, I would recommend Her Mother's Letters. Um, it's called uh, A Call to Deeper Love. And then mm. there's another very short book, which is very good. It's called The Extraordinary Parents of Therese LeSue. So if you just Google search Trez's parents, you'll probably see that on Amazon.
0: The story of the soul, that was her her, uh, her diary?
2: There are three different manuscripts that her superiors asked her to write, kind of just to show how God has worked in her life. And they were compiled and then they were sent out after her death and um, just to let other convents and other people around the world know how holy she was and how we can learn from her.
1: One of the things I like about this story is that
2: some of us can't travel the world, even though
1: I would like to, you know, (laughs) that there's a lot we can do right in our very place that we are and and all we can deal with is today. And she kind of had to live within the confines of her life, but she really made it count. What a beautiful witness that is to all of us.
0: with um, uh, anything you think specifically in the modern world here, a few centuries after her life, that uh, she could speak to us um, more powerfully than than others, things from her writings, insights she had, things about evangelization, prayer, what uh, what does St. Therese have to offer us today?
2: I, I think something that she and actually her parents kind of built the foundations for is that you can become holy in whatever circumstance you are. And whatever whatever comes up in your life, God will give you the grace for that. And just to see God's providence and how he's at work within the little things and how you can love in extraordinary ways just those, through those little things.
1: Well, thank you so much, Ashley. That's a beautiful introduction to a, a beautiful uh, saint that we have, St. Therese. We're coming to you live from St. Anthony of Padua Church in Fargo, North Dakota. This is Roxanne Salonin.
0: Father Kyle Metzger.
1: You are tuned in to Real Presence Live, and we will be right back after this message. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.